Welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. This is Jenny Wise, joined in studio by co-host Sam Stern. Hi, Sam. Hi, Jenny. We also have joining us again, Danielle Place, qualitative analyst for our CX Index. Hi, everyone. And we have Margaret Rodriguez, data analyst on the CX Index team. Hello, Jenny. So last week, we discussed the relationship between customer emotion and customer experience and the impact that employees can have on that emotion. And this week, we are going to tackle phase two of that topic. So our question for this episode is, what is the relationship between emotions and the memories of those emotions, especially as they relate to customer loyalty? Yes. Well, so if you remember last week when we talked all about the importance of customer emotion and how emotions are more important than the other elements of an experience to how customers perceive the experience, that means that they also implant more in the memory of the experience the customer has than the other elements of the experience do. So if I remember feeling valued by the firm, if I remember something that an employee did that made me feel a sense of confidence or another emotion, that is the piece of the experience I'm most likely to recall. It's in part because of how we tell stories and and remember things that we want to attach people and actions and sort of places to them. Those are sort of more recallable details than, hey, you told me that my room was $69.99 and it had, you know, a fancy new alarm clock. Well, I remember that I got a friendly greeting or not from the person at the front desk more than I remember the exact features of the room and its price. This means that you can have a positive experience as a customer, but then you can walk away from that experience and kind of forget it. <laughs> and it doesn't really drive an impact. Right? So it's more what parts of the experience do you actually remember and how do those create a lasting impact? Is that right? That's absolutely right. And certainly when we're thinking about customer experience, customers' perceptions are the reality. So brands also have to contend with outcomes where a customer may remember aspects of the experience that don't hold up in your operational data. right? <laughs> but dealing with those customer uh, emotions that rise from their recollection of the situation is really what's essential to pave the way to a successful relationship a long-term loyal customer in the future. Yeah, and we see loyalty play out in a few different ways. So brands who are making their customers feel really good about their experiences. So first of all, there's that retention aspect. So in other words the customer is more likely to stick with you for a long period of time because you're making them feel good. And so they're associating those positive emotions with their experiences with you. So you sort of built up that relationship and that trust and all of those good feelings that help to make customers more likely to keep doing business with you. But there's also this added benefit of advocacy. So we see customers likelihood of telling their family and their friends about their experiences with the brand. We see that customers are unlikely to talk about the brand if the experience was just fine. You have to really be knocking it out of the park and making them feel feel really good for them to talk about you to others. But there's also the likelihood to pay a price premium. We see that this tends to be higher for those brands who are better playing into customers' emotions. And we know that customers are often willing to pay a little bit more for an experience that makes them feel really positively. And then lastly, there's also this idea of likelihood to forgive. Brands are building up brownie points because they're Mm -hmm. making you feel really good. They're providing those good experiences to you. So if there is a day where things don't go so well or there is some sort of an experience hiccup, the brand can then use those those brownie points and the customer will give them a break because they've done so good for them in, in previous experiences. The idea that the emotion is what makes them feel good or bad about the experience is true and is important. And then the extent to which they can recall in their memory, the emotion that they felt, hopefully positive, is what actually dictates the loyalty behavior.
behaviors you mm-hmm. want to see. So I can't recommend you to friends or colleagues if I can't remember a specific way you made me feel to tell them about, right? If it's not a story I can repeat, I'm not going to talk about it. It's like, uh, yes, I was at that store yesterday. That's not a story. If this story has a component of what the employee said to me, we tell those stories good or bad. That's a story that I in my personal life get to tell because it's of interest to other people. And so that's where recommendations happen. So then how do you as a brand make sure that the customers <laughs> actually recall how you made them feel? So one thing that we've seen kind of come through is that as you have your interactions with customers over time, one potential role for digital touch points, which we talked about extensively in the last call today, have less potency, if you will, in driving emotional connections from T0 can potentially have a positive role in reflecting or reinforcing the positive emotional impact that employees put into place. So even as you think about your personalization strategies, being able to show in those less emotionally heightened interactions that you are helping them to recall the last time that they opened an account and the employee in question who helped them was really a stellar experience that generated those positive emotions, you're helping to prompt them or remind them they had a positive emotional experience with you. So there are a couple of brands that I think have kind of done that well. And I think that there a way that brands can kind of approach that by also making sure that the emotional journey for customers is consistent, even if you never have the opportunity to interact with the same employee again. So give a example of a company that does this well. And I, I think Margaret raises a great point about the digital tools. This is where it comes back to a digital enablement piece to help customers recall those positive emotions that the employee created. Uh, Disney, after you go on a cruise or you're at one of their resorts, will send you a photo book that's sort of memories. I mean, literal memories, right? Because it's the pictures from your time on the ship or at the resort that gives you a way to sort of imprint how you felt and what happened to actual picture photo reminders of you and your family and uh, maybe I guess some of the characters at the theme park from the trip to help you remember that afterward. Another example, because we don't want to have to rely solely on Disney and these above and beyond experiences they deliver. It's common in Europe that you purchase your car at the dealership, but you pick it up at the assembly plant after it's made. So there's there's a lag time that they call the honeymoon period where you have purchased your car, but you don't have your car. So you've made this very large outlay for a depreciating asset and have no benefit to show from it. So this car manufacturer found that was a real decline in the emotional state of the customer very often after that period. So they have automated follow-up emails that employees are reminded with a digital reminder to send to the customer to say, hey, just want to give you some information about your car that you purchased. Here's live feed video from it being assembled and the manufacturing plant. Here's a reminder of the great deal you got from us on financing. True or not, the customer wants to feel like they got a good deal mm-hmm. and they were smart, savvy customers. So you're giving them that information to help them remember that they did a good job in the negotiation. And you're giving them that information about the car so they can say, oh yeah, I'm getting this great machine right. pretty soon. So I can be excited and anticipate that and, and have the memory of getting something for all of that money that I spend. Yeah, it's interesting. I've heard a few things here. Yeah. So I'd make sure that you create an experience that is memorable. Step one, right? If it's, <laughs> if it's neutral, no one cares about it, no one will remember it. And then if you do create that experience, don't always solely rely 
on the customer to remember it. Make sure that you continue to send them little reminders to say, remember you just got this car and this is really exciting and here's all the good things that happened about it. Yeah. Or send pictures as a follow-up. So there's a in-the-moment strategy and a follow-up strategy that can be used to make sure that they remember. I think that's well summarized. And I would the only thing I would tweak a little bit about what you said mm-hmm. is I think firms need to never solely rely on customers to remember the experiences. Mm-hmm. Assume they won't. Assume there's so much that happens to them in the course of their lives that if you don't make yeah. your positive experiences more memorable, more salient for them, they will get lost in the shuffle. Most firms are not Disney, where it's an event that you should remember even without some aided awareness. So they should be thinking about, hey, when we do the right thing, for example, one of the things we were sort of mulling over is, why don't airlines send you a notification through their mobile app, which most of us have installed now on our phones, saying, welcome to your destination. We were thrilled we could get you there 15 minutes early or on time if they are able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. That almost never happens so that they're early and that everything goes well. So when they do that, well, and it is actually one of those experiences that is less memorable because there wasn't a huge travel snafu, make it a little bit more memorable as the one that you forgot because it went perfectly and remind them of that. I think that's a good intervention that firms could do Mm -hmm. that they've earned because they delivered the experience they promised. So it's not helping you misremember, right? They're not leading you astray, but they're making it more salient for you. That's also interesting too, because if the flight lands early, I often have this happen. I'm like, this is great. I'm here 20 minutes early, but I checked a bag and now I'm going to sit <laughs> at the right. luggage carousel and wait for half an hour and they're going to move it to another place and it's going to be a debacle. Then if I got that little reminder sort of after that, yeah. it would remind me that something good had happened because in a way that bad experience now pushed away the good early landing experience in my memory. So all I remember is the bad experience. So this bypasses that. And what you're getting at, I think is so important is, and we were thinking about this as we were working on the research, the important of the peak end Mm -hmm. rule, right? Right. Uh, Kahneman and Tversky's formulation of the most important elements of the experience are the peak, positive or negative emotional, and how it ends, Mm -hmm. positive or negative. And so what you were just highlighting is how firms can swap in a new end to the experience. If it was going to end well because you were early, but you're going to have to wait on the tarmac because the gate's not ready or because your bag won't be there. So now it ended badly, but you could remind them at the end after that of actually everything went well until you had to, you know, wait for your bag or, you know, I mean, it would even be an opportunity for an intervention. Oh, you're going to have to wait for your bag. We'll offer you a voucher in the lounge, in the terminal while you wait so that you can feel like you're getting a drink or something. Yeah. But yes, that's. I think that's a really good way to think about what you want them to remember is the opportunities you have to get them to remember things are often guided by how the experience was at its peak moment and how it ended. Right. So <laughs> is there a specific example where having a bank of positive memories about a brand helps aid forgiveness? Yeah, absolutely. So Southwest Airline in particular is consistently among the top rated airlines in our CX index rankings. And we see that this is in part because customers believe that Southwest has the best on-time performance. And I spend a lot of time looking at customers' explanations in their own words of why they're rating experiences with the brands the way that they do. And for Southwest, we often hear things like Southwest is the only airline that is on time or close to being on time. And This is what customers point to when they're explaining why they feel good about their experiences with Southwest. But the thing that's really interesting here is that these perceptions often don't align with the operational reality of Southwest's (laughs) on-time performance. Actually, in um, 2016, we know that Southwest was not the most on-time, but actually they ranked number four in terms of on-time performance. So, So really, I think what's going on here is at a gut level, passengers who are enjoying their flying experience are sort of automatically making up these rational reasons 
why. They can't necessarily explain why they feel so good about Southwest. So they point to things like the airline is on time because that's some sort of a rational reason to stick with an airline. So even though we know that it doesn't necessarily align with reality, this is how customers are justifying that. So all that to say that these underlying emotions or feelings that customers get from their experiences with brands can make them more likely to forgive the brand if there's an experience hiccup. What's so profound about that is if you want customers to feel better about the experience, you shouldn't focus on improving on-time performance necessarily. Make them feel better about the experience and then it's as if you've improved on-time performance. Improving on-time performance is operationally expensive for airlines. So mm-hmm. I think it's a profound insight about what customers really notice and appreciate and remember. And also when you think about how to allocate your resources totally. then to improve if you're trying to do some cost-benefit analysis, right, and where to invest. Yes. And this point about heightening memories of positive feelings is really key because not only is it important to end on a high note, like Sam said, because it in- improves memories memories of the experience, but it's also about capturing all of the hard work that your employees have Mm -hmm. already put in to deliver that great experience to customers. So if this is done right, heightening memories of the experience can really act as a nice capstone and a way to really recognize and preserve the positive impact of your employees. So really sort of extending the mileage of that positive emotion that's already been created. So it can be a really Uh, powerful way to do that. That's interesting. That's something that I actually hadn't thought about, but I'm sure you did doing this research, is that we're putting this emphasis on employees taking responsibility for improving and changing the way their jobs or training up to be able to deliver positive experiences. But that didn't circle back to then how do we incentivize the employees to want to do this, right? We know there's that clear business benefit, but in your day-to-day job as an employee, I now need to feel like I want to go above and beyond to create these memorable experiences. So that, as you just mentioned, explained how you can begin to sort of track and understand the impact that it's had. Yeah, I mean, we love to make a difference. We being anyone really, Mm -hmm. right? We love to know that what we do has an impact and and is making a difference in people's Mm -hmm. lives. And so as Danielle highlighted, the more the firm can show the customer the difference, the impact, and help them remember the difference in the impact the employee made. As an employee, that makes me feel like my efforts are appreciated first by the firm taking those extra steps to help the customer remember everything that we did to make it a good experience for them. And then second, that I'm not in this alone. You know, we, we talked about in our last podcast, and it's true, the responsibility employees have to identify these emotions and the customers want to feel and deliver a better experience so they feel them. But on the CX team side, on the leadership of the organization side, they have responsibility to those employees to give them the tools and support they need to first be able to deliver the right emotions, know what those are, and then deliver them. And then this is the other really important piece that we're talking about is help customers recall the memories of the positive emotions so that there's more impact from employees having delivered positive emotions. And if you do that, then you're sort of balancing the responsibility both for the individual employee to deliver the right emotion and the firm in general to help the customer remember the positive emotion the employee delivered. So then thinking about how to put this into action. How do you as a company identify the moments that you have created or need to create to make sure that your customers are recalling the right things? I think we'll come back to, Jenny, you raised a really good point, which is being more explicit in your understanding as a firm about how the experience ends. And this is to the point of, and our colleague Maxie Schmidt has looked at this recently, is if the last thing they remember is the awful survey you sent them with 60 questions that's poorly formatted, that's now the new end of the experience. So you want to pay attention to that. So exactly to your point, Jenny, in the airline example, if the flight arrives early, but now I have to wait for my bag, the experience ended with me waiting for my bag. 
and you do need to pay particular attention. I think the end of the experience is the one where there's the most opportunity for having it end in a better way than the height, the high or low moments, right? Those are often one-offs or, or things that you are already focusing on anyway as moments of truth. The end of the experience, paying particular attention to, you know, friendly greeting as they depart, making sure they know how to end the experience, right? That, you know, they're not wondering, do I need to check out if it's a hotel? Do, you know, why am I waiting to pay my check if I'm at a restaurant? All those types of things. To paying attention to things that you would introduce that you think are assessments of the experience, like the survey or sending the bill afterwards or a statement of benefits that suddenly become the confusing or frustrating or annoying new end to that same experience. I think that's a huge one to take a look at. And then the second thing I would add, and, and then Margaret and Danielle, please weigh in here too, is that firms today do almost nothing <laughs> to help us remember specific emotions and memories of those emotions that we felt. So this is all net new. Anything you might do as a follow-up would be better than the nothing that is happening today for most firms. I would agree. And I think that there's tremendous value to be had for firms who are on this journey of now helping customers recall the positive experiences they've had. And I also want to highlight the flip side of that because there's been academic research from Dan Ariely and Eduardo uh, Andrade who have found that customers, when exposed to a negative stimulus, we all know this, right? We make poor decisions. Mm. If you're upset, if your team lost on Sunday, maybe we're going to treat our colleagues with a little less uh, respect first thing in the morning than we should. <laughs> we all know that is true about ourselves. But what was interesting about uh, the research that they conducted was they found that when placed in similar situations in the future, that customers who had that negative emotional experience tended to make the same choices even when they didn't feel the emotion. And so what that means is that when we're thinking about the role for brands in approaching emotion and memory is that you do have a chance not only to heighten and elevate the positive emotional highs that you've created with the help of your stellar employees, but also those negative emotions can have a pernicious effect as well. And the reason that we find that's true for customers is we all like to avoid cognitive dissonance. So we want to believe that our actions in the past were rational, that they weren't informed by a bad day or a loss that we weren't anticipating. And so there's a role for brands, too, in helping to remind customers that there is an opportunity to make decisions informed by functional benefits and, and sort of break the frame that's created by negative events as well. So I think that there's an opportunity to manage both sides of the spectrum. Yeah, I love that point because I, I think we've been starting to peel that apart in, in research lately. But the idea that I mentioned in the last podcast that customers do make emotionally driven decisions and then append functional benefits afterward. But as Margaret pointed out, if you're stringing together similar scenarios and the firm gives you a reminder of some of the functional benefits or some of the functional ways to evaluate the decision you had previously made, they're in a sense actually giving you some of that information to make it a better decision the next time because it's going to be a similar interaction. So it's, hey, use this information to make a better choice this next time. Not that you were wrong. We're not saying that about the last time. We're saying, here's all the information you need to make the right choice this time and remind them of that and give them that that tool. Those are the instances we think, we're, we're, we're still digging into this in research, but where people can make more rational decisions because they can remember, they have the memory of the previous scenario where they were in this exact same situation, what happened, and now they're reaching out looking for those specific cues into how to make the decision this time because they are informed by their memory of the past similar interaction. What you just touched on there was that my context as a customer, which has nothing to do with the brand, can impact 
the decision that I make and therefore the memory of the decision. But so to course correct, that means that the brand has to have a better understanding of what my context is. Am I having a bad day? For example, if the Patriots lose the Super Bowl, knocking on wood to not jinx that, do all the brands in Boston have to think that next morning everyone might be really cranky, so we have to be much nicer to them when they get their coffee? Is that how brands think about this? The local team losing the big game is, I think, the easiest version of this to imagine. The the next day, everybody is probably out of sorts. Not Mm -hmm. everybody, because not everybody's a football fan, but everybody is more likely to be out of sorts than they were. You know, if the Patriots lose on Sunday, the next day in greater Boston, firms should assume that the customer in front of them is more likely to be cranky and impacted by that loss. Maybe they're not a football fan, but it's likely that they're thinking about it and it's right. guiding and it's impacting them adversely in how they interact with that company that day. I would agree with that. And I think, Sam, last week when we spoke about the topic of emotion, you mentioned that this is really a barrier to digital methods or digital touch points being able to replace human beings. Yeah. And so I think that the path forward for brands in this position is to not lose sight of the importance of instilling your workforce with empathy training and those types of things. Because you can often get a lot of context when you're talking with another human being around what's going on yeah. in their emotional life right in this moment. And that's part of why I think it's really challenging if you are um, looking only to replace sort of humans with digital touch points. You don't have that richness and context you need to navigate to a good outcome. Well, Danielle and Margaret, thank you for joining us again in the studio. As today we answered our question of what is the relationship between emotions and the memories of those emotions for customer loyalty. Uh, I know that I learned a lot about how you think about these emotions and how to make them more salient. So thank you for joining us. See you next week. Glad you could join us for this week's episode of CX Cast. If you want to learn more about this week's topic, check out the notes section of the episode for some links to relevant research. And as always, you can email us at cxcast at forester.com with any questions or topic ideas for future episodes. And remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality. Talk to you next week on CX Cast.